College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 31 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Today's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Uh, I am joined by the great Kendall J. Rogers, the great Aaron J. Fit. Boys, weekend two is in the books. Uh, pitch counts are getting higher. And when I say pitch counts, I mean for us. How, how are we feeling? How are we doing? Good to see you guys. I'm doing great, Runes. You know, for me, it's worked out nice because I haven't had any tournaments yet. Uh, uh, one game a yeah. day for me for the first two weekends. So, Raj, how are you holding up? You're the one who's been doing the heavy lifting here with these back-to-back yeah. -back tournaments. Literally. Well, for Friday at noon could have been a little bit better. But, uh, it, you know, it was a great weekend. It was, you know, it, it was good to be at the Carbock Round Art Classic. Got to see Coach Rooney. Got to see the Suspettas Barbecue Boys. Steven Shock was in the house holding court. Uh, I need to go back and listen to his three innings uh, during the LSU game yesterday. I'm sure he had some awesome one-liners, but uh, it was good seeing the crew. And it was, you know, interesting just looking across the country, you know, just all, all the different eye-opening results we continue to see. You know, you look at, you know, Portland knocking off, you know, A&M, uh, you know, UCSB sweeping Oregon, just – to me, just a lot of really interesting uh, results. You know, UCF, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, had a big weekend. So a, a lot of quote-unquote upsets early this year. It's hard to come to conclusions this season so far, I think, except yeah. for I conclude that Stephen Shock is awesome at tweeting. He had an incredible tweet today about, hey, rankings don't matter. Just think about your freshman pitcher who's stuck in an intro to biology exam this morning <laughs> and studied – what, you know, his, you need to read Steven's tweet. It was it was special. As well, today, you know, every week it's like somebody's different. Somebody different is mad at me. Like the, the last week it was we love Tennessee. This week is LSU should have dropped out of number one because they lost one game over the weekend. So yeah. once again, for the Beaver you know, fans. Beaver fans predictably yeah. not happy with us for, for not being Well, I mean, they had that very impressive weekend sweep over Coppin State. So, yeah. Hey, don't steal my thunder. We're gonna we're gonna come back. To, I'm gonna come back okay. to the beavers. I, I like the beavers, by the way. But yes. I mean, you played oh. Coppin State. Like, come on. And, and there was and there's only one spot open this week. Also, yeah, that's Florida right. State had to get it. You know, go on the yeah. road and, and take 200 TCU. Just a little louder than sweeping Coppin State. No, no offense, to Coppin State. <laughs> hey, so I'm gonna open a can of worms here, boys, to start, and then I'm gonna close it. Don't feel obligated to comment unless you really want to. Um, I, I'm I'm hesitant to comment because you know. Uh, Tony Vitello, that's the topic. He was suspended this week for, for, um, with the Tennessee's Dayton series. And, um, I, you know, it's, none of us are on the NCA enforcement staff, right? So like we are hearing things, but I've not seen any paperwork on all this stuff, but certainly I think as we're at games, this is like the prominent conversation. I, I think this is um, this is going to get a little preachy, but here's what I'd like to say. As I'm trying to organize my thoughts around what's going on here, I would say yeah. this. I think the first thing we all have to do is we have to remove the person from the situation. Tony is the most polarizing person in our sport. And I think I, I'm in a lot of conversations where the person's opinion of Tony is completely coloring the approach to the situation. So I'm encouraging myself and I would encourage others 
that, hey, we have to look at this situation as if the name of the person is John Doe, who, you know, may or may not have, you know, committed the issue. I think the other thing is we have to I'm encouraging myself to remove style from this. The issue at hand is tampering and it is rampant in our sport. It is rampant in our sport. We'd be naive not to admit that. And the style of the accused tampering, to me, is irrelevant. The problem, if we expunge this example of tampering, we still have a major tampering problem that we have to decide what we want to do about it. Hey, I I don't want to presume that it's a problem. I think it's a problem, but do others think it's a problem? So, you know, the other thing I would say is I worry about how baseball gets treated in situations like this. It's the old Jerry Tarkanian, you know, quote that's so hilarious that the NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, they put Cleveland State on probation. That <laughs> makes me really nervous. The NCAA is so mad at football and basketball that they take it out on baseball. There are always unintended consequences here. So, again, that that's kind of where my head's at on all this stuff. It's really hard to comment on it because you're just you're just kind of um, hearing things. But it's a, it's a topic and. You know, I think tampering is a, is a real thing. And, and uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Hey, by the way, before you go, Kendall, I, I just want to point this out. Tony Vitello has already served a longer suspension than Bill Self, the basketball coach at Kansas. So there you go. Which they got involved in all sorts, all sorts of like crazy illegal I stuff. I mean, people right? are in jail for the basketball. Yeah, team, exactly. So. Uh, you know, so number one, my, my take would be there, there's definitely a lot of tampering in college baseball. There's no doubt about that. I think the biggest thing is I think the NCA and, and I know this from following football and following basketball, that the NCA really has not like buckled down on tampering period. Like they haven't gone after any schools in football, which is like the schools that do it in football, like is ultra obvious. They haven't done it in baseball. I think the problem here is like how blatant this appears to be. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back to before Maui Ahuna was even in the portal. But, you know, here here is my thing. And and I'm not singling out Tony as the only person in the world that would ever tamper on, on the transfer portal. Trust me, I, I can probably name you about eight or nine guys right now that I know for a fact uh, did some of that uh, last summer. The problem you run into with Tennessee is you already have a situation to where everyone in the country is gunning for you. People are People are just like praying and hoping you screw up. Like they, they want to report you, you know? And so when you go back to last, I, I even take this all the way back to last year to where, you know, they were kind of the, they were kind of the bad boys of college baseball. You know, Tony does the chest bumping thing with Jeffrey Macias. He does the thing where he goes out there and is taking donations. And, and granted, like I get that he's doing like a lot of harder way, but like it, that gets to a situation to where like the SEC has a discussion with him about it. And then you get to this year and, you know, Maui Huna is on the on the bench because of this this clearing or the NCA you know issue with the tampering. The problem you run into is like you already have a target on your back. You're already considered like college baseball's villain. So like if if I'm Tony and I'm Tennessee, like I'm actually doing anything I possibly can not to lean into that that whole that that whole. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like people calling me that. Like they're it's almost like they're kind of leaning into that a little bit. So. You know, I, I get that you almost have to, if you're Tennessee, you almost have to play play a little closer to the vest, maybe some other schools, but you know, you kind of put yourself in that spot. Like you kind of put you kind of put that target on your back. So I mean, I will say this. Um, 
when I look at other sports and when I look at Tony Vitello, you know, I've had people reach out, oh, I wonder if this is something getting fired. Absolutely. Like under no circumstance do I think he needs to be fired for this. Um, you know, should he have a, should he have a stern conversation? Should there be a suspension, which was, there was one served over the weekend? Sure. But like to, to say, you know, to, to your point about Bill Self, uh, to say that, you know, he should be fired over this is silly. But there's no doubt that, you know, when you're Tennessee, I think Tennessee needs a sense of, like, calmness in that program. Like, you know, you go back to last year with all the emotion, the chippiness, uh, the, you know, the the flip-off situation, the chest bump, and now you have this. It's just like one thing after another. And just, that much drama in a program is not good. And I just think yeah. Tennessee and Tony need to find a sense of, just calmness in that program. And I think that would serve them well moving forward. Here's my question, guys. The thing that I haven't heard anyone answer, and maybe you guys have, how does this affect Ahuna, his eligibility? I mean, like how the heck yeah. is that going to be resolved? I mean, is right. like, yeah. you know, and like, Hey, I guess, you know, the player is also complicit, I suppose to some degree, but like yeah. ultimately there's no precedent. Is, yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's, I just don't know. I don't know how this works. I mean, like he's had to sit out two weeks already. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I, I just don't understand. Like, are they, are they punishing the player for being tampered with, or are they saying, Hey player, you're also responsible for this or, I mean, or, and how long, and if so, like how long does that punishment go? I, I just don't know. And that to me yeah. feels like a pretty, Hey, but question. by the way, Fitzy, it's a great point. Cause the kid has already been suspended for 10% of the season. Like that's a, a massive percentage. We have yeah. 13 weekends. He's done. He's missed two of them. You know, he's missed whatever, seven games, six games. It's, I, I again, I don't know the facts of what he did or didn't do. He being Maui Ahuna, but that's infuriating to me that this kid is well, served this big of a suspension. I'll, I'll say this too to take up for Maui a little bit is you know, if, if there's tampering involved, like, yeah, like you probably should have some sort of penalty, but let's not forget he's he was a guy in a program without a head coach, like Rich Price was effectively retired, so he was a guy in a program without a head coach. So I mean, you could really are like you could really argue like in in I don't know in like a different way like is it true you know is it truly tampering if they didn't have a head coach you know if they didn't have a coaching staff is that really tampering I mean yeah. by the it's rule just, of law it is but they don't have a head coach so the whole the whole thing Kendall I think it it, it speaks to this point like we've got. We've got some issues in the area of talent acquisition in college baseball. Yeah. We don't have a lot of clarity. The gray area is fairly enormous and growing. And like, so you get situations like this, you know, like we're, we're going to have bad acting always, but the more gray area there is in theory, the, the more it just gets uglier. So I don't know. Let, let's kind of cap it right there. If you guys are cool with that. It's it's a it's a it's a big situation because Tennessee has got an unbelievable team, and I, I I agree with your point, Kendall. Like it might be time for them to kind of that the, the the bad boy persona probably doesn't serve them well anymore. But let's get it's to the just season. one of those things you gotta you, you just have to have like common sense and know your surroundings and realize that everybody in the country you're the hot program, you're the you know technically you're the hot coach in college baseball people are going to want to take you down. And Tony's Tony, unfortunately has got to realize that moving forward. So we'll yeah, see how they handle it. Fair enough. The um, compelling, that's for sure. That's why we brought it up. The uh, yeah, by the way, Aaron, they're, they're supposed to have an update on a Huna today. So okay. be interested oh, to see there you go. Say. That's good. 
Hey boys, let's let's do this. Let's go to reverse engineer the rankings. Let's talk. Let's each pick. I'm going to read off some of the names of teams that we um, that we didn't rank because there just wasn't room. You know, Florida State was the only team that came in. But let's let's go over some of the teams that just missed because those are the teams in theory that are on our radar. By the way, Lamar is undefeated, coming off of like a 37 win season last year. So good for those guys. The Cardinals are really on a nice run here. They were a team that we didn't rank. So here are the teams that were discussed. UCSB, uh, you know, they swept Oregon on the road. UCF, they swept Clemson on the road. Iowa obviously had a huge weekend in Round Rock. By the way, hats off to the peak event, guys. What an unbelievable job they did hosting this tournament. The Dell Diamond, if you've never been to Dell Diamond, oh, my God, it, it is an incredible baseball facility. So Iowa is, is, is a, a team that was considered. Auburn has been on our radar the whole time. Campbell off to a great start. West Virginia wins a series at Arizona. I'm going to pick Oregon State, then I'm going to ask you guys to each pick one. Oregon State is the, uh, you know, they're six and one, and they, they we almost ranked them in the preseason. Here's the problem. I'll give you the problem with Oregon State, and then I'll give you guys what we what I like about them. The problem is, you know, four of their six wins are against Coppin State and and Minnesota who are combined three and 11 Minnesota does not have a win yet this year. Coppin state has three wins all against St. Peter's. So, you know, Oregon state has not yet played the, the schedule they're going to play. They do have a win against UCSB, which is impressive. They split with New Mexico. New Mexico is off to a great start. Here's what I'll tell you guys about Oregon state. I love their bullpen even more than I loved it in the preseason. And I loved it then, you know, AJ Hutchinson and Nelson uh, Kiljo are two freshmen who are you know dynamite relievers. They're going to be big parts. I'm still worried about is there enough swing and miss in their rotation? Their rotation is going to give up a lot of contact. Is that going to be okay? Is that not okay? I don't know. To be determined. And and the the position player group is still super super new. Outside of Garrett Forster and Travis Bazana, there there's still a lot to learn. But they're off to a great start, and they're right on the cusp of being ranked. Fitzy, you go next. Who's a team that just missed that is top of mind for you? Um, you know, you mentioned the Gauchos, and we've talked about them, but definitely, you know, sweeping a series on the road against uh, an Oregon team that I think we're all pretty high on. That, to me, was uh, a significant statement. You know, that was another team that I feel like would have liked to have gotten into the rankings uh, if there were room. Um, and then, you know, here's one that I guess caught me by surprise was was – and I'm not saying this should be a top 25 discussion team, but how about Illinois bouncing back after losing a couple of games, really getting kind of handled, manhandled, one might say, by, by Wake Forest last weekend in two games. They come back and win a road series at Southern Miss, and Southern Miss pitching staff had been off to a really good start. And the Illini um, you know, scored 13 runs in, in the first game and then win the rubber game 9-4 to four and put up 13 runs in the, in the middle game also, which – Hey, maybe that makes you feel a little bit even better about Wake Forest pitching after you know what they did against Illinois, shut those guys down. But um, maybe Southern Miss not quite as, as settled in, in the you know on the mound as, as we thought they might be. Still some work to do there. But uh, Illinois, a nice bounce back weekend for them. Feel like they're going to be a, a factor in, in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I've got my eye on UCF. You know, it's kind of interesting, guys, looking at the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, obviously East Carolina leads the way. But, you know, you think about some of the teams we had near the top in the preseason, like Tulane and Houston, those guys are combined 3-11. and 11. So, like, who's the other team outside of UCU? And UCF might be that club. They go on the road and sweep Clemson over the weekend. 
Uh, ben McCabe's gotten off to a really good start for them. I think he's hitting over 500 or it's over 400, uh, 1.5 OPS. Um, and then Drew Farrell is a guy that I think in the preseason we talked a little bit about. He's a really talented freshman that, you know, Greg Lovelady was very high on. He's off to a terrific start hitting for some power as well. And so you know, UCF, even though the, the pitching has just been okay, uh, they're off to a really good start. So they're a team that I have my eye on just because just offensively, they seem to be really, uh, really balanced right now. And John Rice, John Rice Plumley, uh, the the old Miss kickback, is off to a really good start too. So uh, UCF, you know, going to Clemson, I, I don't think I expected Clemson to get swept in that series. It, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't have shocked me. UCF won it, but to get swept uh, and you know for UCF to go three, no, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. By the way, Kendall, that that the pronunciation pronunciation of Drew Faro. Thank you for jumping on that grenade. I I don't know what I was gonna say. But he's, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's playing shortstop for UCF as a true freshman, and he's six three one ninety. When did we start making freshmen that are? Well, I, I say that, and I just hey. saw Jared Jones, who's six four, seven thousand pounds of muscle. Like he, he's he should yeah, be. Yeah, Jared Jones is a grown. You know what, man? Uh, yeah. You know the the really interesting thing about Faro is. I had the discussion with Love in the in the preseason about like Alex Freeland. Like if y'all remember when Alex Freeland mm-hmm. went to UCF, he's one of the premier prospects in that in that incoming class of freshmen. And like everybody expected him to be an absolute dude from day one. And he was a really good player, but he's like, hey, Drew Faro is like more physical. Like he's actually got more overall tools than Alex Freeland. So the fact that he was that high on him kind of coming into the season spoke volumes to me because yep. Alex Freeland was a really good player. Hey, let's let's talk about uh, Fitzy. I'm going to come around to you in a second about let's kind of talk about what we saw this weekend. But let's let's just kind of capture some highlights from the rankings. So Florida State came in pretty aggressively. They were a team we wanted to rank in the preseason and ran out of room. You know, they won a road series at TCU, who were the bells of the ball in Globe Life. So that was huge. You know, I would say that, you know, the the what was the other one that was really top of mind? Texas A&M had a really, really difficult week you know they lost at they lost three home games they went one and three at home a loss to Lamar a series loss to Portland and almost got swept um Kendall why don't you take that one talk us through the Aggies by the way let me give you a context point they lost a home series to Penn last year around this time of year and went to Omaha so like I don't want to go crazy yet on on A&M yeah so I I actually watched a little bit of their game yesterday I was kind of just going around the country and I'll tell you what, just offensively, they just look out of sorts. I mean, Austin Bost, who's a preseason All-American, I was, I was kind of keying in on his at-bats because, I mean, he's hitting like 090 or something. Uh, he Like, he just looked lost. He looked like a guy that was kind of shell-shocked. Uh, you know, Trevor Werner's hitting below 200. Uh, Ryan Targotch is hitting below 200. Uh, Jace Lavalette was hitting below 200 until he had a couple of hits yesterday. So, it's just one of those, one of those starts for them to where they're just really – really out of sync offensively. But again, this is a team that was really, really out of sync offensively last year. And all of a sudden they go into a weekend and, you know, go into SEC play, win that series at LSU. And it's a totally different story. So I think for AM, uh, you know, their pitching still seems to be fine. Uh, they've got some nice pieces in the bullpen. They've got solid starters at the front end. Uh, I think the big thing for AM is I think they're, they're getting a tough weekend at the right time. Uh, you know, you got Seattle all the way, you got Portland all the way now you got to go face Texas Tech, who's a rival, and you got to go face Louisville, a team that you knocked out last year that you can bet on Friday night is going to want to beat your brains in. And I think there could not be a better time for them to face teams like that because they're going to have to raise their level of play quite a bit. 
or they're going to get pummeled by those teams. They played the way they did the last two weekends. So panic button on A&M, absolutely not. Uh, a little concerned, absolutely. Uh, they, they've been pretty rough, uh, you know, offensively here to start the year. Speaking of pummeling, I don't know if you guys are looking at this, but the fabulous Rune Dogs have just been raking. I mean, I, I, I really like my squad. Once I get Sam Laboki squared away, because he's still not settled in yet. Yeah. Let me let me uh, let me recap. Uh, it's been my favorite thing this year. Is every time I see one of the fabulous Rune Dogs hit a home run, quote tweeting on that. Thank you for that. Um, so Ole Miss with a huge series win against Maryland that was really hotly contested. Mississippi State with a big series win over Arizona State. You know those are two marquee programs that are trying to find their footing, yeah. but that was really entertaining. And, and then and Andy I, with a big series win yeah. over UCLA. Go ahead, Fitzy. I was going to just direct our, our listeners. Sorry to interrupt, Runes. Uh, J- Joe Healy was down in the Magnolia State this weekend. Had some great coverage from both Oxford and Starkville. Um, so I recommend you check that stuff out for more on those series. And I'm sure uh, the Highway to Hoover podcast today uh, over on SEC Extra will have, have even more on that. So um, I-, I wanted to, if I could just jump in. Kendall, I see you, you're waiting to, to chime in here. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about Florida State. Um, Please. Yeah. You know, just a team that really, again, loud, loud weekend going on the road to TCU. You know, TCU was kind of our darling last week, made the move up the rankings after that strong showing at Globe Life. Uh, and Florida State goes in there and, and, and wins those first two games, you know, and, and uh, uh, scores a, a bunch of runs in the process. I think 10 runs in both of those wins. Um, love what I'm seeing from. You know, I didn't get, actually get a chance to see those games, but I love what 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 uh, the freshmen are doing. Um, you know, Cam Smith and and Diamond's Ross at the, at the top of that lineup. Like those guys a lot. Really bright future. Some nice pieces in the middle of the lineup. I mean, I know they got shut down. Only had one hit on Sunday, but um, Florida State just looks like you know they're they're much more capable offensively overall defensively as well. I feel like they've shorn, shored that up a little bit. I know that was, again, a problem on Sunday, Runes. But um, the pitching is just going to give them such a high floor, you know, because uh, you've got Wyatt Kroll, who's an All-American, you know, who they're using in that stopper role. We thought they might start him, but he's look what he did on Friday um, out of the bullpen with, was it, three-something innings of, of no-hit relief, I believe, one-hit relief, three, three and a third, um, backing up Jackson Bowmeister, who's got a big time arm and is really emerging. And then you get a very encouraging sign there. Carson Montgomery pitches on Sunday, uh, five innings of one hit ball. So, I mean, you've got high end talents and then you've got depth on that pitching staff and, you know, the lineup might still have its ups and downs, but I do believe that a link your coach team is going to hit and is going to defend ultimately. Um, and with those, with those arms, I mean, it just feels like a formula that I know runes. You still have some, some reservations, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like it definitely feels like, it feels like a top 25 team. Now I'm not saying they're an Omaha team, yeah, but it feels yeah. like a team that, that could make a run in the ACC and be in that regional hosting mix. You know, what's interesting about Florida state is I, and I see this, I see a lot of teams across the country where the coaching staffs are having to play for two wins in a weekend. Like you kind of look at your pitching and your team and you're like, this is not a team that's going to sweep a bunch of good teams. So we need to work like Wyatt Crowell is the perfect example. Like, you know, I think about what Grand Canyon did to Tennessee and that was injury related, but where we have to deploy pitching to win two games and just kind of punt the third game. Hey, Stanford did that last year with Quinn Matthews. Like if we could save him for Sunday, that's great, but it kind of makes the sport fascinating. Hey, now, I'm going to cherry pick statistics right now. Florida State's fielding 955. They've got Ooh. 13 errors. It's a small sample size, though, right? Like I'm, 
I'm cherry picking. Literally, I'm going to call myself out for that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was sitting here saying that they've they've improved their defense, and clearly they have not. That's a problem. <laughs> but, you know, it's like hey, get a clue, Fitzy. <laughs> I don't I, know. Hey, I did see that Nander actually got a, a few hits over the week. He's actually almost hitting 280, guys. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. But you know, it, it's Florida State doesn't have bad baseball players, right? Like it attracts good players, and this coaching staff is just unbelievable. And so there's a lot to like. I, I I'm. I'm cautiously skeptical. Is there such a thing? Like I, I, I'm skeptical, you know, all lowercase letters, but we'll see. We'll see. Hey, it's fun. That was, that's, that's, um, it's been that kind of first two weekends where very, uh, un, you know, uneven results. Hey boys, let's do this. Let's, let's talk about what we saw this weekend and then, and then we'll kind of, we'll wrap it there. Kendall, you go first and then Fitzy, I want you, went, I'm really curious to hear about ECU UNC because I have not read your pieces yet. But, Kendall, give, give us your take. Besides you being the uh, D1 Baseball Call Center on Friday. <laughs> well, I, I would like to be able to talk about what I saw from Paul Skeens. But what I'll tell you, uh, two names that really stood out to me from the Carbach weekend uh, were Jared Jones for LSU. You know, I think I, I sung his praises quite a bit in the fall. Just a physical presence in the box on the left side. Just huge power. He showed that over the weekend for LSU. Uh, that home run he hit yesterday down the left field line was an absolute bomb. Uh, I, I was shocked that stayed fair, but uh, he's just got huge power. I love that guy. Uh, and then the other one for me that really stood out was uh, Walker Janik from uh, or Walker mm. Yannick from Yannick. Sam Houston State. Right. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like Sam Houston always has that elite hitter. And, you know, they had Colton Kowser. Uh, you know, they had Carlos Contreras, still have Carlos Contreras. And then Walker Yannick seems to me to be that kind of that next guy. He's got – a physical presence in the box. He's got power. He's got really impressive tools. He plays the plays the game really hard. So I think from that from that weekend, uh, that's what stood out to me was just you know those two guys. Uh, you know Brody Brecht obviously showed an uh, electric arm, um, and Iowa looked like a really good club. You know we talked about you know Maryland dropping two out of three to to Ole Miss over the weekend. Rutgers has been just okay. You know, you're kind of wondering, like, hey, is there somebody that's going to make a move in the Big Ten? I think Iowa, for me, you could probably make an argument, could could very well end up being the best Big Ten team. I thought they looked like they belonged. Obviously, they belonged when they, you know, beat LSU pretty good on Saturday. But uh, they were impressive. And I think, the you know, looking across the country, this kind of segues in Aaron a little bit. But I thought one result over the weekend that stood out to me was the fact that, uh, you know, Duke Duke outscored Baylor 54-7 to in three games. Like, I get that Baylor's rebuilding. I get they got a lot of turnover. They're, they're building from you know, scrap, basically. But that stood out to me. Like, it, it, you have to play pretty well to outscore somebody that much. Yeah, yeah. And, and I saw them on Saturday when they put up a cool 22, I believe, against <laughs> Baylor. Um, and it's, yeah, they. I mean, Duke looks really good right now. I, I, I like what they did with those. Uh, the transfer pieces with like Jay Bashirs and MJ Metz in particular, but you know, you've got some really nice returning pieces too. Alex Mooney and Luke Storm on the left side of the infield at the top of that lineup. Um, and then some nice veteran guys that have figured it out later in their careers. Now, Alex Stone behind the plate, he's hitting cleanup, physical presence. And Damon Lux, who's been there a long time, graduate guy that uh, is really off to a great start for him. He's always been an athlete. He's physical, uh, but he's, putting together much better at bats now too and, and taking advantage of, of regular playing time so i do like what i saw from bail uh, from duke this weekend and uh their young arms are exciting too um but yeah the, the highlight for me this weekend was that that east carolina 
North Carolina series, caught both those games Friday and, and Sunday. Uh, the Saturday game was postponed until later in the season due to, to bad weather on Saturday. But the two games I caught were both just tre- absolute treats, guys. I mean, in February, you, you don't get a treat like this too often. Uh, sellout crowds at both venues, you know, 6,000 in Greenville and Friday night was just electric. Awesome. and it, it kind of felt like going into it. I mean, these teams were back to back in our rankings in the preseason and in this weekend. Um, it felt like a coin flip series between two teams that are very evenly matched and that's how it played out. I mean, this series was, was played out on, on the razor's edge. I, it kind of felt like East Carolina's crowd willed its team to a victory on Friday night, which we've seen happen before in Greenville. Um, it's like Max Carlson just, just locked ECU up there for what seven innings or so. And then as soon as he got out of the game, you see Cliff Godwin in the, in the third base coaching box. He starts doing his like conductor routine, pumping up the crowd, um, you know, like a defensive end on third and long. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got Dalton Pence coming in here, a guy that doesn't have really division one experience pitching in this tight spot and, and a stage he's never pitched on before. And you have a little bit of trouble, you know, finding the zone and ball one, ball two pitching coach comes out and the fans are just going nuts. Like that's, that's how that whole rally started. And you can kind of feel it coming. Like, you know, they're down a few runs and it's like, Oh, here it comes, you know? Uh, and, and that happened. But then North Carolina fought right back, you know, after ECU puts up a four spot uh, or six spot, whatever it was in the eighth inning, um, you know, North Carolina fights right back and, and gets the tying run at third base, you know, and like ECU's got their own freshman out there who's trying to survive in this, you know, it was awesome drama. It really was. Um, and then kind of Sunday was a carbon copy. Like UNC gets a great start again from Connor Bovair, handed over to the bullpen. ECU rallies ahead of four runs, I think, in the seventh or something. Um, and then UNC does not quit again. They fight back. You get your tying run at third base in the ninth and like, Fans on both sides are going crazy, like trying to drown each other out with these call response cheers because there's about a 50-50 crowd, I would say, in Chapel Hill. Just incredible atmosphere, uh, drama. Quality of play was really good. Two talented teams that I'm, I'm very high on, and, and you can read all about them today at Dewan Baseball. I have a lot of thoughts, takeaways on those two teams in my piece today. Yeah, and th- that's that's worth reading for many reasons, but one being those two teams are not going anywhere. You know, yeah. it's Fitzy, I, when, when I was reading, you know, kind of reading your tweets and – thinking about ECU, there's a mental fortitude in that program that is really impressive. Like there's yep. just a toughness is kind of a culture, you know, culture word, buzzword, but man, they just, that's a, that's a program that can take a punch. Like they, yeah, they yeah. it's really impressive. The other thing I was going to ask too, is like, I know when you and I talked in the fall about Trey Savage, it was kind of mm-hmm. like, he's a, he's like a big arm that just needs to be like refined. Like, did you, yeah. did you kind of see a more refined Trey Yesovich? For sure. Yeah. I think it's your savage. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, yes. Like it last year was up to 96 or whatever with two pitch guy. Now he's a four pitch guy and he's holding 93, 96 for mm. six innings with better command, better strike throwing. He's developed this like split splitter. That's a real pitch for him, especially against lefties. He's got this cutter going now, which I like better than, than the, the bigger breaking ball. The cutter's a real weapon against righties and lefties. I mean, it's, it looked like a guy that's a absolutely, you know, come into his own and it gives them a, a legitimate Friday night dude, which is great because then they can keep Carter Spivey at the back end, which is where you know, he kind of saved their bacon on Sunday and that tight spot uh, that gives them a lot of peace of mind. Love it. Hey boys, let me, let me, uh, I'll, I'm going to pile on Kendall. Obviously I was at the round rock Carbach uh, classic and 
Um, I'll, I'll take you guys around the horn. I didn't have any customer service duties like Kendall did. Kendall was <laughs> in the in the other room taking punches. Well, the good news is I got to know a lot of LSU fans over the weekend, so Thank that's you. always a pleasure. KP sent us a hilarious text. We had the Iowa game on Sunday. He said, "Hey, the legendary Dan Gable just you know bought a subscription to the streaming game. So don't, yeah. don't mess it up." So it was. I did. I felt <laughs> a little extra pressure on that broadcast, but. Um, you know, Dan Gable's grandson, uh, Gable Mitchell, is is uh, an infielder for Iowa, which is really cool. So so let me do Kansas State, guys. They went 0-3. It's a vintage Pete Hughes position player group, physical. They can swing it. Nick Goodwin is like Jeff Kent, like this really big middle infielder who rakes. Dalen Culpepper hurt his hand, and that killed them. That absolutely killed them. That's their star sophomore. Kansas State went 0-3 because they played horrific defense. And I don't think they're going to be a horrific defense team all a defensive team all year, but that's what the case was this weekend. I actually leave here with some optimism towards their team. Their pitching's better than I thought it was going to be. Their Division Three transfer, Owen Borma, he he was toe-to-toe with Paul Skeens for four and a half innings. You know, it was fastball in, slider, cutter, I mean, slider, change-up, kind of old-fashioned left-handed pitching. Pound that fastball in, speed bats up, back it up. He was great. Um, they just they didn't play good enough defense to to generate a win in this thing. But they've got a star. They've got to get Culpepper healthy, and um, they've got to clean up the defense. But they were interesting. You know, Sam Houston State guys. They have five left-handed hitters. They have seven returning starters in their lineup. They had thirty-nine hits in three games. It was an absolute rake fest. Um, they ran out of pitching against LSU, but Sam Houston State. You know, I, I'm not sure that they're not better than Grand Canyon. I like both teams very much. Go ahead, Fitzy. Well, I was listening to the uh, the Shock Factor Day 2 recap uh, on my drive yesterday. Uh, our, our, our friends of the Shock Factor were also there, as, as Kendall mentioned. Uh, and I think it was, it was Jordan Schusterman who said that Sam Houston State is the best baseball team he's ever seen with his own two eyes. So uh, that just shows <laughs> you. And let's see, the guy's seen some ball. We like hyperbole too, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, I'll tell you this, it's the longest lineup I've seen this year. No drop off. Like they've got a kid, Joe Redfield hitting eighth. He may hit third next year, like left-handed hitter. They, they were so impressive and they, they, they're so aggressive at the plate. Like they're swinging. If you don't have a quality first pitch for them, you better be ready to play defense. I, I can't get over how impressive they were offensively. Um, and their pitching's fine. You know, it's, it was Cole Atkinson was great. So, wasn't it Bray, was it Braden Davis, the lefty, coming out throwing 92-94 yesterday? Yeah. yeah, he's their so, best I mean, arms. He's, arms. Yeah, they're 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 very much a regional team, depending on how the whack plays out. Um, you know, Iowa was excellent. Obviously, Brody Brecht is such a he's like a football player on the mound. It was 101 with a 90, 91 mile an hour slider. He walked eight, he punched out three or punched out six, he got ejected. And he won the game. Like he, yeah. Iowa doesn't win that game without Brody Brecht. The other thing about Iowa guys, they've got two players in the middle. Keaton, their offense is a little light for me. We'll see how it develops. But Keaton Anthony and Brennan get Doriggy with it in the middle, like the Wofford transfer. That's right-handed and left-handed. You see what I did there, Fitzy? Yeah. The, um, the uh, that's how I, <laughs> I, I was trying to remember how to pronounce that is get Doriggy with it. So uh, anyway, they're, 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 those are real hitters in the middle, but it's about the pitching. They've got a closer in Will Christofferson who's got this alien slider. Um, you know, it, 
it's it's a sideways slider. It's really impressive. They've got five starters. The truth is, if it wasn't about development, they would probably start Zach Volker and Jared Simpson, the lefty. But as Rick Keller would tell you, the best version of our team in May is that Brody Brecht and Marcus Morgan settle in and become guys that give us length. And we're not going to get there just putting them in the bullpen and trying to find places to use them. So he's, you know, he's, he said, we basically asked Jared Simpson and Zach Volker to really take one for the team, knowing that we need all seven or eight of you guys to be, but, but again, they were, I mean, they, they just got after LSU and, and I'll just transition to LSU guys. The, the town on that roster is comical. You know, it's just comical. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Cruz almost knocked the outfield fence over on, on Sunday. I mean, he just laser after laser after laser. He did not have a bad at bat all weekend. It, it, it's just, I know his talent is immense, but his baseball skill might be even greater. It was, I've never, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a hitter that locked in, you couldn't get him out. You just could not get him out. It was crazy. Yeah, the thing about Dylan Cruz is so special is every time he steps in the box, it looks the same. Mechanics-wise, body language-wise, just attitude, like everything always looks the same. You know, you can even look back to when when Bregman was at LSU, and you could really argue that like when, when, when things weren't going great or, you know, Alex was having a bad day, like it was pretty obvious. Like you make it very noticeable. And Dylan, to me, you know, at least looking back at their college days, is more mature. Like he is more locked in. He's he more kind of goes in each at bat, realizing that you know what, if I strike out, it's not the end of the day. Like survive in advance. That's just kind of the way he approaches the game. It's pretty. It's pretty special. Yeah, there, there there's there's so much depth of talent and. You know, Skeens is amazing, and Chase Shores, their freshman, touched 99 several times. I mean, you know, I love Riley Cooper. I mean, you just go down the roster. It's like, yes, 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 right? They're just – they don't – they're just awesome in every way. Now, I will say this. They're not the best version of themselves yet. It's a little disjointed. They're trying to find the right roles. Trey Morgan was in left field for a game. You know, they, they're – We would not Cooper's recommend starting. that again, by the way. Say it again. So would not recommend that again, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Him and the him and the wall did not get along <laughs> well in that game. But they're they're you know like that's what Jay Johnson and, and that coach staff are great at. They'll find the right fits. They'll, they'll find the right roles for those pieces. The raw materials are one hundred percent national championship raw materials. So. Was was uh, did I hear on the shock pod that Cooper wasn't great this weekend? Was that, is that uh, it Any wasn't kind of terrible, or... Fitzy. Honestly, Iowa had a great plan against them. Remember, LSU this weekend, Gavin Dugas is playing second base. And then Jared Jones, a true that's an outfielder playing that's a corner outfielder playing second base. They had Jared Jones, a true freshman at first base. They have a true freshman in Brady Neal catching. I mean, Riley Cooper's listed at 270 pounds. He's not exactly getting off the mound like a like a cat, right? And so I thought Iowa did a great job. They, they pressured him with the bunning game. They did a double steal to take advantage of Dugas and Neal being young, and they had a miscommunication there. So I, I really thought that Iowa did a good job pressuring Riley Cooper. He wasn't awesome, but you didn't leave there thinking, oh, Riley Cooper's no good. You just kind of felt like, hey, he doesn't have dominant stuff, and Iowa just really did a good job executing. I feel like if LSU is going to be the best version of itself, they really, really need Thatcher Hurd or somebody like Christian Little 
for Ty Floyd to kind of kind of mold in that weekend rotation. I, I think I just don't think going to SEC play Riley Cooper is going to be the Saturday starter. I, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, yeah, I don't see him is, as a Saturday starter in the Southeastern Conference. I think it's a very fair assessment, Kara. The thing is, uh, Ty Floyd one time through the order is you got no chance. Like that fastball mm-hmm. is just – it is hot and hairy. Like it is jumping all over the place. It does sound like second time through the order – teams have been better against Floyd, but you're, you're right, Kendall. I mean, Riley Cooper's stuff is, I'll tell you, I'll give you guys a Riley Cooper uh, comp and then let's wrap. He's Michael Roth right now. Like Ooh. he's dropping down against lefties and he's Ooh. fastballing and change up against righties, flipping some breaking balls in there with that swagger, right? Like you can't tell Riley Cooper, Riley Cooper would agree with you, Kendall. He doesn't think he's a Saturday starter in the SEC. He think, he actually thinks he's a Friday starter. So you and you and Riley Cooper are in agreement there, just going in different directions. Now, so, I'm, now I'm all in on this. This Michael Roth comp, you got me. I love it. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. So so you know it's not great stuff, but it's elite elite pitchability. But again, if you could put him in the bullpen as a silver bullet reliever, that is absolutely awesome. Also, yeah, I think the, I think the start I'm looking forward to seeing is Thatcher heard tomorrow against Texas. Because I think he's, you know, last week against Southern, he he did not pitch very well. He's a guy that in the fall, uh, I mean, I had like, you know, 3,000 to 3,200 spin rates on his breaking ball. It's up to 95. Like, I think for me, like, he's the dude that needs to, to put all the pieces together and needs to be in that weekend rotation. I'll, I'll be very interested to see how he pitches against Texas. That's a big start for him, I think. No, I totally agree. Boys, I got to run to the airport. It was a pleasure. I'm glad we snuck this in here. We'll do a, a preview on Thursday night. Check out the website, Save23 gets you uh, 20% off KR. Is that right? That, that's correct. All right, good. Hopefully I didn't overpromise and underdeliver there. Uh, that's it. Everybody have a great week. We'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.